1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Washington offers a block, the pitch comes from the other
0: side, Dequell Jackson. And now again, Dequell Jackson.
1: You're listening to Believe in Colts with co-hosts Lawrence Owen and Dequell Jackson bringing you the latest and greatest about the shoe. Brady Middle, intercepted by Dequell Jackson. Play intercepted, picked off at the five, touchdown, Dequell Jackson.
0: Welcome back. I am here with, and believe in Colts, Lawrence Owen. Sorry, we weren't able to get uh Dequell today. He is still dealing with uh, personal issues. It might be a little while before he comes back, but I have a great special guest with me, Stephen Holder of The Athletic. Thank you so much for taking time out after the pressers today to, to join us and record the show.
1: Hey, you got it. I'm glad to be here. And uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to, uh, to getting back uh, in the lineup too.
0: Absolutely. Now, uh, just in case there are two or three viewers or listeners that don't know who you are, why don't you take a moment uh, here to uh, let people know a little bit about you and where they can find you?
1: Yeah, so uh, you can find me at The Athletic. I cover the Colts and uh, the NFL at large. Uh, so, uh, we do tons of coverage there of all the teams in the NFL and, uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter as well. My handle is Holder Steven, Steven with a PH, Steven Holder was taken. So there's that. So, wow. uh, <laughs> so I took the next best <laughs> thing and, uh, yeah. So anyway, my, I, I just, um, uh, have had a great time covering the Colts this year. Uh, they're a fun team. They're, they're never boring because, you know, here we are again, one in four start and then. Now, eight and six, and they're nothing if not interesting. So that keeps me in business. Uh, it keeps the lights on, so I'll never complain.
0: <laughs> Who doesn't like a little extra money? Well, if you're into gambling, bet online remains your number one spot for all of your basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, even Vegas casino games action. You just head on over to the updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's bleav five O to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, obviously, we're going to get to the Saturday night game in just a moment. But I, I have a question that um I, I have I've not asked a guest yet this far into the season. And I thought I'd ask you, what are some differences, positive or negative, that you see uh, difference between this year's Indianapolis Colts at this point of the season and last year's Indianapolis Colts at this point of the season?
1: Hmm. I, I think for one... Last year's team. Well, let me rephrase that. This year's team. I think there's been a a definite rise in their performance over the course of the season. I think they had a little bit of a a trend that way last year too, mm-hmm. um, offensively. But but not as much. I think there was just so much turmoil early this season that you know I think they they feel vindicated a little bit. They're not there yet. They haven't even clinched a playoff spot, right? But But they do feel a little bit of vindication this year, I think, because they know what people were saying and they know how it looked and they know that it it was daunting. I I mean, how they saw it, you know, they're not they're not completely oblivious, even though they they try to block out the outside. They know and they know what one in four looks like. And it wasn't just that they were one in four. It was just. You know, it didn't look like they were functional in a lot of cases. You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of the strengths of their team didn't look like strengths. What was the the offensive line? All of a sudden there's a problem. What is that? And so I just think, as I said, the the job is not done. But I do think they feel a little sense of, of vindication like, you know what? We're pretty damn good. And I think it's really hard to argue that. It's really hard to argue that. They're a team, I think, that can beat literally anybody in the NFL right now. Doesn't mean they're perfect. But there is no perfect team. That's Tom Brady. <laughs> okay, right. Right. watched the game last night. So, so I, I just think, look, they're they're peaking at the right time. I would rather be the Colts right now than Arizona. Right.
0: Yeah, that absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I I, after that,
1: the game against
0: after the game against uh, New England, and then I watched Arizona, and I was like. The Colts are going to blow Arizona out. At least that's my opinion of it. After watching both the games this weekend, I was like, "Holy crap!"
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, they, you know, go back to what I said about you know there being no perfect team. Even the team Mm -hmm. with the best record now is doing a whole lot of soul searching. So that's the NFL. It's it's really about this week, you know, and what you did six or seven weeks ago. I think the, the Colts have proven it doesn't matter you know it matters in the grand scheme because it impacts your record obviously but just in terms of of what it means for today's game or this week's game it doesn't matter it really doesn't and i think they are the best example of that or one of the best examples of that and, and i think it also i think gives some indication of the value of frank reich because uh, there's definitely a trend here i mean I'm not they would not they would much prefer to not start 1 and 5 and 1 and 4 okay let's be clear <laughs> but mm-hmm. pulling a team out of that, that is so hard. It's so hard. The the focus and the consistency that that takes is incredibly hard. And I don't think people appreciate how hard that is to week after week after week to stay consistent that way in a league where, you know, you can lose in any day. And so th- to have such little margin for error and to, and to be able to be consistently good like that over an entire you know, half of the season is pretty tough to do after a tough start.
0: Absolutely. Um, I mean, we kind of references back to that last luck year when we started 0-3 and ended up making the playoffs, right? Uh, but, okay, so I'm gonna, you talked about, you know, the Colts playing very well, but they still haven't locked a, a playoff spot. They are fifth seed currently in the standings and are tied with five other people, but they just have the better conference record to to be in that in that spot. I got a question here by Justin um that came off Twitter. Thanks for the question. He asks, how much thought are you putting into the Colts not only making the playoffs, but there is a slim possibility they could still win the AFC South? And even a possibility they could still win the uh the number one seed in the AFC. Now <laughs> be that's a little bit of a whoa we're, we're stretching here we still got three games to go and need a lot of help but uh right back at you right here
1: well yeah you're right they do need a lot of help but i will say this i mean tennessee is definitely helping them mm-hmm. <laughs> i'll give you that uh they i'll tell you i will say this about tennessee i mean i think they're gonna i think they're gonna figure it out and, and get it done i mean they i think they only really need to win one game at this point but um, so look, you're talking about a really tall order and I forget their schedule off the top of my head, but they've got a couple tough ones, but I know they've got at least one game where they're going to be heavily favored. I don't know if that's Jacksonville, I forget, but, um, but anyhow, the, the point is, is that a long shot? Absolutely. But I will tell you one thing that, th- that I would say about the, the two teams in particular, Tennessee and the Colts, one thing that I have definitely gleaned from, the last six weeks is that they are teams that are going in the opposite direction. Now I know that Tennessee has some injury issues and clearly the biggest one being Derrick Henry. I'm not downplaying that. I mean if the Colts lost Jonathan Taylor, like would they be a different team? Yeah. Okay. No question. So I'm not suggesting that that I'm surprised by that, but I mean it is what it is. And mm-hmm. they are where they are. And I guess they can get them back and we'll see how that goes in terms of timing. But but they definitely are teams right right now are i think in polar opposite positions in terms of how they are currently playing. Uh, the Colts i think you know have put themselves in a, in a situation where with just the way they're performing they're definitely ascending. I'm not saying the Titans are descending but uh, they're not tracking in a positive direction in my estimation.
0: Yeah. Um going back to that game uh this past Saturday obviously um everybody in the Everybody watching the game, everybody in the stadium, everybody on that field knew that the Indianapolis Colts wanted to run the football. And the Patriots just couldn't stop him, right? I mean, for for the most part, the entire game, he was picking up two, three, four yards of carry, uh, and then he busts off that big when he had a couple 10-yard runs as well. Uh how how much does that help Carson Wentz
1: having that offensive line and that running game and that defense to lean on a lot. And so I think the one thing that we've learned about Carson Wentz this year, and I think this has always been true really is that he's best when, when he can, you know, I don't, I don't think he's this game manager that people are making him out to be. I think he can be more than that. I mean, he has a really big arm He has great athletic ability. He can do things. He can create, you know. So, like, he's not some guy who's just, like, riding shotgun. Uh, As bad as he played on Saturday night, because I thought that was terrible. I don't Mm -hmm. don't think he played well. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. That was a pretty terrible performance. (laughs) But at the same time, I think that they're not here without him. There's no question about it. They're not in this position without him because it all works together. The running game helps the quarterback. The quarterback helps the running game. Clearly, it helps a lot more when you've got a guy like Jonathan Taylor and you've got that offensive line. So I'm not going to also downplay that. But let's be honest now, okay? They would have a lot tougher time if they didn't have a quarterback who was capable of throwing it down the field. Okay, bring the safety up at your peril, okay? Mm -hmm. They didn't hit any big ones on on Saturday night, but they have hit some big ones this year. That's on tape. Teams have seen it. So if you're you're willing to bring that safety down – to stop Jonathan Taylor, that's something you have to invest some thought into, and so with a quarterback who's less of a threat, that's an easier decision. So it all works together. And if nothing else, you've got to have a threat at quarterback. They definitely have a threat now. Whether he always makes the play, the right play, and always you know makes the right decision, nah, yeah, I get those questions. That's fine, and and they're very much warranted. But there's no doubt in my mind that. His, his presence there for the Colts behind center is making a difference. And the other thing I would say is that the Colts are best positioned when I think Carson Wentz, uh, as I was kind of starting to say and I got off track, but, but he, they're best positioned when he doesn't have to do too much. And it's not that he can't do it. I, I don't want people. To, I don't want people to misunderstand this. It's not that he can't do it. He can make every throw. He can make any play. The thing is, I think when you start putting a lot on him, that's when the tendency to make the bad mistake happens. So the best thing they can do is is to ask him to do some of those things, but just in smaller doses. And I Absolutely. think that's where he's most efficient. And that's what they have done this year. When he's been most successful, it's been when he's had to do things kind of when, – when they've asked him to do things on their terms and not um, – in a situation where it was mandatory because the situation called for it. So I hope that makes sense.
0: Oh, it makes it makes perfect sense. Um DeQuell likes to say that Carson Wentz plays his best when his, you know, passing stats are somewhere between 20 to 25 to 30 attempts, 30 yeah. maximum. Right. And okay. I, I tend to agree with that. And I also agree yesterday in his 12 attempts, he had a bad game. He had a bad game. And yes, they were one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. The Patriots are, but there was a lot of bad throws by Wentz. He had that one interception. And he had a couple more that very well could have been intercepted. Got right? lucky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a great play by Pittman on that on, on that on that pass that was thrown well behind him to, to get that ball out of JC Jackson's hands. Um we're going to move on because here's Okay, so Mario Borelli has another question on here about the game. And it's not just about the game, but what we've seen throughout the season. And I'm, I'm going to kind of reword it, Mario. I apologize. But we watched the Colts walk into the fourth quarter with a 20 nothing lead. We've seen this multiple times. Uh, I, I started having flashbacks fourth quarter I don't know about I don't know if you did as well but I started having week four flashbacks of against the Ravens you know and I'm like uh I've seen this I've seen this movie before I don't I don't want to see the same ending and it started happening and I started getting a little bit worried uh the Colts have been giving up a lot of leads like they get the lead in the first and then allow teams to come back where does the blame go in this? Because I'm watching I'm watching the film. I watched the game this time, uh, probably four or five different times trying to look at that in the fourth quarter. And after 12 minutes and 40 seconds into the fourth left in the fourth quarter, 90% of the defensive plays, all the defensive backs were playing soft coverage. Is this traditional? Is this a um an Eberflus thing? Is this a player thing or, or, or is this just a common situation in the NFL?
1: Well, in that particular situation, I, I think what you're trying to do there is you're trying to prevent the big play, mm-hmm. uh, which makes sense. I mean, strategically that, that actually, you know, is is probably what you want to do when you're protecting the lead. Uh, they figured in, in their mind, they figured, okay, if we keep everything in front of us, you know, they'll have to go 10 or 12 plays to score uh, they'll run clock and you know maybe they make a mistake and and you know they did get a couple of interceptions in the game right so it's a sound that's a sound strategy I think I mean it doesn't mean it's gonna work <laughs> it's just I think it's it's probably what you what you want to do in that situation however what to your to the original question in terms of why these these leads have kind of gotten shaky in the second half the interesting thing is that you know we're looking for a common thread And I don't think there is one, you know, the reason I say that is because I think if you look at these games, they've all played out in different fashions. So with the Tampa Bay game, for example, I really think the the turnovers really, I mean, look, there are other considerations. I know we can talk about play selection and and there's, there's all, there's a conversation to be had there. That's fine. But the turnovers really are what did it right. I I think Mm -hmm. if you don't give the ball back to Tom Brady five times, (laughs) it's probably a different outcome. I mean, With one fewer turnover, they probably win the game. I I firmly believe that. With one fewer turnover, they probably managed to get out of there with the win. And then that conversation, right, about winning the division suddenly becomes a different conversation. (laughs) But be that as it may, that was one thing. Then I think if you look at the the second Tennessee game, I think Wentz did have a little bit of a meltdown in that game. There's no question about that. and so you know that was somewhat on him. There were other factors too. Uh, certainly, there's some defensive miscues that I think we can talk about. But I think you know certainly Wentz took a lot of that on his shoulders, and I I don't I'm not going to argue him on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know I think uh, the Baltimore game. That's the other one I was going to mention. The, the Baltimore game. Honestly, first of all, that was a Murphy's Law game, meaning mm-hmm. everything that could go wrong went wrong. But honestly, if you if you really just break it down to really specific things. If they have a competent kicker who's not hurt in that game, they probably win. Let's just be honest, right? So so I, I guess what I'm saying is like these aren't excuses, they're just we're looking for explanations. And and when you try to pinpoint the explanations, you know, they're not the same. They're different for each of those games. So I think if you're if you're trying to kind of square this in your head as a fan, what I would say is. In one respect, that's actually a positive thing, and, and I'll tell you why it's because if it was the same recurring problem over and over, well, then that means your team has a problem they can't fix, yeah. <laughs> and, and the other, the other good, I think, uh, or the other consideration, I guess, I should say, is this didn't happen against bottom feeding teams, it happened against some of the best teams in the NFL. And if you make mistakes against teams like that, you will lose, right? So, Mm -hmm. so I I can, you can kind of at least, you can sleep at night by kind of telling yourself theoretically, okay, we screwed up against Tom Brady, we lost. Yes, (laughs) that's not very hard to accept. (laughs) You know, Lamar Jackson, we gave him a lot of opportunities and he beat you. Yes, that's not hard to accept, right? Mm So, I guess what I'm getting at is, it's terrible, and it shouldn't happen, and, and they're going to have a lot of regrets about it. But uh, I get it, and, and I also don't think it's a it, it suggested there's some kind of fundamental problem with the team. So half glass half full, I guess. Say goodbye to dull gifts. You know, using
0: cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, lab-grown diamonds from Lightbox have cracked the science of Sparkle and created the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they could create stones in bluish pink and beautiful blue, as well as your classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Just visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. With Buffalo, uh the Buffalo game, it put a lot of, you know, in the fans' eyes at the time when we when we beat Buffalo. And, you know, oh, we can finally beat a good team. And now Buffalo has just went downhill. They they won their last game, but they they've lost quite a few in a row against good teams. And now this game, how big was this victory against the Patriots? Not just for fans. Obviously, for fans, it was huge. But for the organization itself?
1: I think pretty big. I, I really think that, as you said, I think the, the Buffalo win, I think it's still a big deal for me uh, and for them. Not because they beat Buffalo. Not because Buffalo is is a contender because we thought we thought they were, and I don't know mm-hmm. that they are now, right? I mean, at, right. the start of the season, they were they were my pick for the AFC. Uh, but anyhow, be that as it may, uh, it I think that win is still big though for this reason. It's because of how they did it. Mm-hmm. It, it was emphatic. I mean, they, they didn't just kind of like do it the way the Patriots did it, and and the, I'm not taking anything away from the, the Patriots' win over Buffalo. Different kind of win than the one. The Colts had, you know, the mm-hmm. Colts dominated them. They were never in the game. They never had a chance there. That game was literally never in doubt. So that was a very different manner. The way they won that game. Uh That's as as dominant a win as the Colts have had in years, honestly, you know, mm-hmm. and it came against a really good team. Josh Allen, by the way, is still a damn good quarterback. Okay. Right. A couple weeks later, I think it was, who are they playing? I forget, but I mean, Uh, Josh Allen. Oh, in Tampa. I mean, Josh Mm -hmm. Allen went crazy. They lost a game, but I mean, the guy had a phenomenal performance in that game. You didn't see any of that against the Bucs, excuse me, against the the Colts, I should say. So, so anyway, um, getting back to Sunday or Saturday night, I should say, uh, I think that game was big because this, this team, when you talk about a a challenge like that, uh, the number one team in the AFC and and there being still maybe some doubts out there about the Colts, uh, they're sensitive to that, uh, you know. And I think maybe sometimes it's it's a, it might be just a rallying cry, motivational tactic, I guess. But but whatever, they believe it. So whatever works for you. Um, I think I think for them, they 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 really feel like they made a statement. And and I know it's not college football. I know there are no voters, and there's no like you know committee <laughs> making the decisions you got to win and it's all it boils down to but but I do think that that does breed confidence you know that that team's going to go to Arizona this week and feel like they can't lose you yeah know? and uh, they can lose certainly I mean you still got to deal with some really good players out there mm-hmm. in Arizona but I mean this Colt team they don't think they can lose right now they really don't and, and I don't think they should feel that way uh, and, and so that's what winning a game like that does I mean I was in that stadium on Saturday night. And if you were there, I mean, you can't help, but, but really, I, I think sense the, the the confidence and the uh, just the fuel that, that was kind of being exuded, not just by the fans, but I think just the, the players and the way some of their reactions and they're feeding off of that crowd. Um, that tells me that's a team with, with a lot of confidence right now. And I think that confidence gets impacted if you lose a big game like that, because look at the buildup to that game prime time. I mean, you put a lot of energy and emotion into that. And if you lose it, then, I mean, you can't tell me that's not a hit to your confidence. It has to be. So so to win it, it it keeps that confidence going and it actually builds it even more.
0: Oh, yeah. Losing a game like, I mean, that victory, I don't know if you saw Bill Belichick's uh, press conference after the game, but he just did not want to talk to anybody. He's just like, we didn't play well. We didn't do this. We didn't. Do, nobody played well enough to win this game. And that's mm-hmm. all he said over and over and over. He did not want to be there. Um, You talk about how, you know, the Colts right now feel like they can't beat. They, they, they can't be beat. You know, they have that high confidence. One of those, one of the reasons for that high confidence, they have 31 turn uh, takeaways this year so far with three games left. I'm going to take you back to preseason before the season started. Mm-hmm. and Darius and, and then said, 40 turnovers is our goal. <laughs> and he basically got laughed out, right? I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> we all yeah. did. Yeah, even myself. I was like, 40, come on now. I get, I get you want a high goal, but I mean, come on. They need three turnovers on average the last three games to reach that goal right now. What, what do you think is making this team – so good at turning the ball over right now?
1: I think it's a good question. And I I think what I tell people is that that doesn't happen by accident. You have to preach it. You have to teach it. You have to drill it. It has to be fundamental. And, you know, and and frankly, I think Matt Eberflus deserves a lot of credit because, you know, we can quibble about coverages and, why they play this coverage then or that time or this time? That is fine. That is totally fine. Uh, no coach is perfect. But I, I think where, where we sometimes don't give him enough credit is in how he develops players. And what he does is – now, I get it. You know, we we want to see more pass rush and all that. But, but the one thing I would give him a lot of credit for is developing players in terms of uh, habits – and in a, a defensive culture and the culture is we take the ball away and we're always going for the football. I mean, look at it's what they teach. And, and as I said, what they preach. I mean, look at Darius Leonard. I know he was doing this in college on some on some level as well. You know, sort of these these punch outs. So it's not like he started that when he got to the Colts. But you can't argue that they haven't helped him take it to another level. A lot of that's instinctive, okay? You can't necessarily teach what he does, okay? So I'm not going to give Matt Averfull's credit for that. That's crazy. However, two things. Number one, he's on the perfect team because that's part of their culture anyway. And then number two, it's infectious. It's contagious. Okay, you got other guys now going for the football. They can't do what Darius Leonard does because that's a talent. That's a very specific talent. But uh, I, I think it's it's in their heads, it's at the forefront of their minds. They're always looking for the football. And, and then it also is combined with the way they play it schematically because look at, for example, uh, Bobby Okereke's interception. I mean, th- these guys are playing with eyes on the quarterback and that's part of their scheme. When you play with eyes on the quarterback – you're going to be able to break on, on the football in many instances and get some opportunities. Darius Leonard's interception on Saturday night. You know, he's just kind of lurking in the middle of the field. He's not playing a man. He's playing his mm-hmm. own, granted, but but he's playing with his eyes on the quarterback and he baits him and you know, he he sort of uh gets him slipping, you know. So uh Mac Jones thinks that he's he's coming maybe to to get him. Maybe he thinks it's a blitz, or maybe he thinks he's playing the run. I don't know what he thinks, but but he didn't think he was gonna drop. And so Darius Leonard got the drop on him there. Uh, no pun intended. So I guess what I'm saying is with the turnovers, it's, it's very much a part of the, the culture and the coaching and the teaching. And, and as I said, I mean, there's a reason they're better at it than other teams. It's not accidental. And, and they have now made this, I think it's a, it's going to be a staple of what they do because it also extends to the personnel department because Chris Ballard and his scouts, when they go out there and they look for players, they're looking for players who can take the ball away. You know, if they're maybe a little undersized or maybe they don't meet this metric or that metric, but they can take the ball away, they're going to get graded really high by the Colts because that's what they want. And and listen, the effect over the course of seventeen games, can you imagine what that impact is for Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor and Frank Reich as the play caller? You give them all these extra opportunities. There's a reason the Colts are one of the highest scoring teams in the NFL right now. And a big reason for it is part of what we're talking about. Takeaways.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of Frank Reich and play calling, you know, after that one and four start or one. Yeah. One and four start. There was a lot of fans out there calling for Frank Reich's job. I don't know (laughs) if you remember that. And I was just like, really? Really? I mean, come on. And then I go when I see this stat pop up, Frank Reich, in his tenure as a Colts head coach, has scored at least 23 points in over 75% of his games. That's better than any Colts coach in history, mm-hmm. right, percentage-wise, scoring at least 23 points in his games. And he's 4-0 now, coming off the bye week. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on on Frank Reich as a as a play caller and a head coach so far this this
1: season, I think he's a fantastic coach. And uh, I mean, look, do I like the guy personally? Yes, I, I'm not. I don't have any problem stating that. I mean, it, it's it's great when you can actually, you know, have a working relationship with someone you actually like. I've covered coaches who I hated, <laughs> so <laughs> so none here specifically. But I'm just saying, you know, that's that's always a, a benefit, and I, I'm fine saying that. However, I can. I can admit that, and also be objective about it too. And mm-hmm. and I've you know I've written critical stories when when they were warranted about Frank Wright. but the bottom line is I think you got to take it on the whole and look at the, the entire picture. And there's no question when you think about uh, the the inconsistency they have had at, at the quarterback position over these four years. I mean, no one in football has dealt with that. Okay, four different quarterbacks in four years. Any team that's dealt with that, I guarantee you, I don't know this off the top of my head, but I guarantee any team that has dealt with that is one of the absolute worst teams in football. I I guarantee you. Uh, because it just doesn't happen. And if it happens, you suck, <laughs> you know, generally. <laughs> so it's not rocket science. I can say that without really even doing the math on it. You know, I feel pretty confident. So anyway, so he's, he's risen above that. And then you've also got a situation where uh they they have had some difficulties at the start of their seasons 2018 it's really not that it's really not that uh, hard to understand why they started slow i mean think about it you know they had new offense new defensive schemes uh andrew luck hadn't played for two years you've got certainly a lot of new players in new positions i mean that's just a lot going on and they were they were playing close games right so anyway they come back from one and five you saw what they did in 2018 this year very much the same. Uh, they started slow for very understandable reasons. I mean, they were a complete mess in training mm-hmm. camp. I know, I didn't. We didn't see the entire roster until about six weeks in. Okay, right. So yeah, they weren't very good to start the season. Duh. And I think you've seen what he's done, and and I think held that ship sturdy and steady uh, in what was a pretty big storm. That is a coach who has the full confidence Uh, and command of his players and that is something that I think he has a talent for Frank Reich and I know you didn't ask me about this from this perspective I know you're talking more so about the X's and O's but I think this is important because I think sometimes the X's and O's don't work out if you don't have the player's confidence Mm -hmm. and he does Uh, I think the one other thing that I, I wrote about this a few years ago when he was in his first year you know I kind of did it tongue in cheek, like, how does he not curse? You know, you know, T.Y. Hilton was telling me about a a game where I forget which game it was, but something happened. He was so mad and he's like, I thought he was going to curse, but he didn't. And and what is my point is, is this, that he has this talent for, for being um, demanding, but also doing it in such a way that he, he instantly, stills confidence in the players jack doyle has explained this to me really well he said you know it's really a a very difficult thing to to really get a lot out of your guys um, by being hard on them but also you know making them feel like they can do anything you know and it's like it's almost like good advice for us as parents you know it's like Mm -hmm. (laughs) how do you make how do you encourage your kids but also you know, be really demanding and, and make them understand that like second isn't good enough, you know, second place isn't good enough. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that's what he does. It, it's a, it's a talent and, and that's why he's a good leader. So now go to the meeting room and you're talking about what you're going to run on Sunday and, you know, how you get a player prepared during practice and all that, all of that then comes into focus those those tactics that he uses, that's how he uses – he uses those tactics in preparing his players. And then I think really when you just look at it from an X and O standpoint, I think that his his play calling, I think uh, very inventive. I mean, I look at the the first touchdown on Saturday night. That's a fantastic play. Fantastic. That earned him
0: 20 bucks.
1: That's right. <laughs> well, I threw in 20 also, so I guess I'm in the hole. I got to get his memo. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I mean, how many how many teams out there are running are running stuff like that? You know, right. like, that we see some. But I mean, two things to, to have the confidence to call that against a Bill Belichick defense. And and also, I think the, the understanding that you can utilize two of your best players who are really unique players and Naheem Hines, and Jonathan Taylor. I've been a big advocate for getting those two guys on the field together. You can't do it all the time. Okay, because just there's just too many moving parts to have two Mm -hmm. running backs out there all the time. But uh, but I think when you can do it, um, it opens up so many possibilities and you're starting to see them do that more. I'm I'm very, very much in favor of that. So anyway, uh, I I think you're you're seeing it in how they they get role players to play key roles. Aston Doolin, look at the role that he's had in, in maybe the past month. You wouldn't have predicted that you know, to start the season. He's done it with Zach Paschal the last three years, even though Mm -hmm. I think Zach has taken a little step back this year. Definitely Zach Paschal, I think, benefited from being in this organization with that coach, you know, and and that list is very long too. There's lots of others. And all of that goes back to some of the things I was talking about earlier, his ability, Frank Reich's ability to, to get these guys to play confident and to get the best out of them. There are a lot of coaches who aren't capable of doing that at the same level. So th- he's definitely uh, a guy who has proven that he can do that.
0: Yeah, I've been, a, uh, we're, we're coming up on an, I've, I've had you now for over 30 minutes. So we'll, I'll close this down for uh, just, just one last statement. And then I'll let you um, uh, talk about where, where people can find you again at the end of the show but you were talking about having Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines on the field at the same time. I was, I was preaching that at the beginning of the year, especially when I knew who, you know, Marcus Brady and, you know, he came from where he's come from and, and understands the RPOs. And I was like, that would be freaking awesome. Right. And we didn't see it early in the season. We have seen a lot more the last five, six games. I would love to see more of that. I, I am 100% with you on that where, where you get them. Cause that, that, creates such a problem for the defense to figure out what, what you're going to do. You know, is Jonathan Taylor going to get the handoff up the gut? And then if you close in and pitch it out to Hines, you're screwed, you know, <laughs> because yeah. you've done closed in on Taylor. Uh, and, then, and then if you fake that out and you brought a safety down, now you've got, you know, Carson Wentz, who you talked about earlier, can put the ball anywhere on the field. You know, so th- th- there's it creates so many problems. Um, uh, uh, first off, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It was an honor for to have All you right. on. Um, go ahead and tell people again, uh, one, one more time before we get out of here, uh, where they can find you. And if, if there's anything else that you want, you want to, you know, throw out there before we end this,
1: yeah. Um, well, I, I would just say the only last comment I would say is, is that I, I, I think that um, the the Colts have a. I think that game Saturday night I think was probably a reminder of why you you love following the Colts if you're a fan, you know. And I, I just would say that it's been a long time since that stadium felt like that. And look, oh, so I, you know, loud. look, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was really loud. And I think Mac Jones can say what he wants. There's no question. The sound was a problem for them. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. They were out of sorts. And all that. But anyhow, uh, so I mean, look, if you were there as a fan and you're out there listening, like, you know, look, you had a little hand in that. You had played played a little tiny role mm-hmm. in that. So hey, pat stuff on the back. And anyway, what I'm saying is I, I hope that continues because, listen, I've, I've done I've done this for 25 years and I have covered good teams, terrible teams, uh, teams somewhere in the middle. And there's nothing more enjoyable than when you're covering a team that matters and they're playing in games that matter. So I am all for it. Okay. Let me just be (laughs) clear. As much as, as people think sports writers enjoy teams losing, don't get me wrong. I have no problem covering a losing team and telling it like it is. And I will, they will not enjoy reading my stories. Okay. It is what it is. But uh, I have no, no timidity about that. However, uh, like I said, there's my most enjoyable seasons, doing this job in general, are are the seasons that were special. You know, the seasons where Miami won the national championship and I was able to follow them along that road, you know, back when Miami played football. (laughs) Um, For example, 2018, um, Mm -hmm. that season was one of my most memorable seasons as a journalist because it's just so fun, just unique. I mean, you you kept thinking, like, it was going to end at some point and it didn't end. It just took it all the way to the playoffs. So anyway. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is, like, those are the, the moments that are fun. And so, you know, value that when you get a chance because they don't – don't take them for granted, you know. Don't take – people in Indianapolis in particular, I think, have taken it for granted and have, haven't been someone who, who's come from other places. I, I have a different perspective on that. And mm-hmm. so I just want – I like to always remind Colts fans, like, don't take that stuff for granted. It's hard, okay, it is hard. Go talk to a Lions fan someday. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so anyway, um, anyway, those are just my parting thoughts. Uh, if you, as you said, if you want to find me, uh, obviously, uh, The Athletic, uh, we'd love to have you. If you're not a subscriber, we got some great content with myself, Zach Kiefer, and Bob Kravitz, and uh, certainly all across the league and other leagues as well. Um, and then on Twitter, uh, Holder Steven, Steven with a PH. Um, lots of. Uh, opinions on all of these matters we've talked about, and, and probably a whole lot more. So, yeah, love to uh, follow along. Awesome. Thank you again for joining. And
0: until next time, I'm Lawrence Owen. That is Stephen Holder from The Athletic. This was Believe in Colts brought to you by Bet Online. And until next time, go Colts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early,